We're in the book of Revelation, and I just love coming the, the Sundays that I'm not teaching one of our other teaching pastors, and man, I just get blessed every single Sunday. Jeff was last week, and it was so good, and uh, so today we're continuing on in the book of Revelation, and we'll be in the uh, 12th chapter, and we're going to talk about this global war that is coming. There's a war that is coming. And as we look in the, the book of Revelation and we, we think of that, uh, the, uh, it's just, it's what is. And the thing is, God knows the end from the beginning. And uh, when you think about how the Bible's been written so many years ago and it's, his, it's, his, it's just present day. Uh, and uh, next week we'll be talking about uh, uh, the new world order and the new leader, but it's right there all in the book of Revelation. But the greatest way to interpret the book of Revelation is, or interpret the Bible, is with the Bible. Because once you get your interpretation outside of the Bible, then it's just, it's an opinion. And uh, so we, we try our very best here at Grace is to take uh, what the Bible says and go back and find uh, passages that actually give us the interpretation of that. And we hope to do that today. What we're looking at now in the book of Revelation, we get to the point, and you think about this, God, uh, we've already talked about the point in Revelation 4 where the church is raptured, and the, 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 the people that are his church, the blood-bought church of Jesus Christ, they're raptured away, and they're safely tucked in heaven. And now all hell is breaking loose, it really is. And I think about the loving God. It's like he told Israel uh, with tears in his eyes. You know, he looked down upon Israel and he said, Oh, Israel, Israel, how many times I would love to just to gather you under my arm like a mother hen would gather the chicks. And, uh, but they were so blinded and so deceived that Israel was not uh, brought under his arm. And yet the church... Through the power of Jesus Christ, the church, he's pulled us together and we're raptured up and we're in heaven having a great time. So John's revelation, he sees, okay, the church is going to be in heaven. Everything's going to be good. But now he's going to show us, he's going to reveal, he's going to kind of pull back the mask and let us see what Satan has been doing to this world from the beginning all the way through the New Testament, all the way in the book of Revelation. And we want to go there. Revelation 12, we travel in time all the way back to the fall of Lucifer. And that's where John's actually going to tell this. And guys, uh, you can just put up that chapter 12, as much of it as you can. And I'll, I'll touch and go. I don't care if it stays up there, Jeff. Uh, they'll have something to reference to. Uh, so the fall of Lucifer there. And in these next chapters, we're going to meet three main characters and these three main characters are, uh, you know, we've we got to figure out what, who they are. One of them is, is a, kind of a mysterious woman, a fierce dragon, and a unique uh, male child. We witness there's going to be a war in heaven and a war in earth. And we view the tribulation period once again. But this time, 
we've kind of, he's kind of told about this, but this time, as he's going to talk about the war in tribulation, you know, Jeff talked about the, the, we begin to see the, the, the plagues being poured out and all. He's going to give you a different perspective now. The tribulation period once again, but this time it's from the vantage point of evil and good. Evil and good. Chapter 12, we get, and we look inside this, cosmic war. Satan, as we probably know, Satan is the arch enemy of God. Satan, uh, Satan hates everything that has to do with God. He hates you and I. He despises us. And, uh, but ever since he was cast out of heaven, and we'll talk about that in a minute, Satan is the arch enemy of God who long ago sparked a mutiny in heaven that led to the fall of the third of the angels. You go, a third of the angels went with Lucifer when he, when he fell out of heaven, cast out of heaven. Yeah, but there's two-thirds still there. <laughs> there's two-thirds still on our side. And uh, I don't want to ruin the end of the book, but we win. I just want to tell you that. We win. <laughs> he unsuccessfully tried to overthrow the paradise of God in heaven. And when the uprising failed, he attempted to overthrow the garden paradise on earth with God. See, he was cast out of heaven with one-third of the angels. And then God he created the heavens and the earth. And you see that the first thing he does, he goes and he tempts Adam and Eve. Later, ever since, Satan has been trying to ruin everything in God's order. He has especially tried to stop the arrival of the Lord's eternal kingdom. This woman in 12, 1 and 2, we're going to go to the, that first. The re- opening of Revelation 12, John says that this woman, that a great sign appeared in heaven. So we see in this stuff, he said a great sign appeared in heaven. For the first time in his vision, John sees something great and exponent. He said, a great sign appeared in heaven and a woman clothed with the sun and with the moon under her feet and a crown of 12 stars on her, ha- her, 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 her head. She was pregnant and cried out in pain as she was about to give birth. This first section right there, this uh, woman this, uh, that appeared in the heavens, when he says this great sign, that's the word where we get the word mega. It's, it's mega. Now John's revelation is bigger than ever. It's, it's mega. He's seeing these things. He's seeing, he's seeing this woman. And there's uh, four symbolic women in the book of Revelation. And all this fits together. The first one is Jezebel. Jezebel who represents paganism. Chapter 2. Well, back in the beginning of the Bible, paganism began to take over. Jezebel. You know, there's a serpent in the garden, but now there's a dragon in the book of Revelation. Everything is escalating. Everything is getting worse. People go, I don't know what's going to happen on this world. I can tell you what's going to happen in this world. It's going to get worse. And so Jezebel represents paganism in chapter 2 of Revelation. Then they tell about a scarlet whore who represents the apostate religion in the end times. That's chapter 17. We're not there yet. So you've got Jezebel. Now in the end, you've got this apostate whore, as they describe it. And religion, religion is eventually, once the church is taken out here, it's going to be apostate. It's going to be all false religion. But there's going to be religion. It's just going to be false religion. And it's going to be, uh, you know, people's going to be deceived left and right. 
And that's in chapter 17. And then the wife of the lamb is the third woman. And this represents the church. And we'll find out that the church has been raptured. It's the wife of Jesus Christ, the lamb, the bride of Christ. And we'll see that further in chapter 19. Then we get to this woman right here. This woman in chapter 12 of Revelation. She's depicted by the sun, the moon, and the 12 stars. Verse 1. And so, like I said, we interpret the scripture with the scripture. So we find out where have we heard that before. Well, it's a good thing that we just went through Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers. Because back in Genesis 37, uh, Joseph's dream. Joseph has a dream, and in his dream, the Bible frequently calls Israel a woman and sometimes refers to her as the wife of God. Too often, though, as we go through the Old Testament, the wife of God, she's an unfaithful wife. She's a backslidden wife. And like you read the story of Hosea, and he had to go by, he went back and bought his wife off the auction block uh, and she, you know, were, you, you go back into that Revelation story. It, it's a picture of the church. And these women are a picture of the, the church or the, the false church throughout time. So we, we read of this and God's, it, this call, this woman right now that we're reading about in chapter 12 is the, it's the Israel. And, uh, I've heard, you know, people talk about the blood moons and they try to take this now as something else. You just can't take scripture and just throw it out there to anything. This woman and uh, the 12 stars and the sun and the moon, that's the 12 tribes of Israel, the 12 stars. And, and, and so the scripture right there, we read this, it refers to her wife, God. If it should not surprise us that we find Israel in the center stage in all redemptive history. Israel is right at the center stage. That's why we should love Israel. We should support Israel. We should be behind Israel because God says, if you'll bless Israel, you'll be blessed. There's a reason for that. After all, God promises a messianic kingdom to the Hebrews. God's never changed that. God, everything God says he's going to do for the Jews, he's still going to do it. Because they're God's chosen people. They're, they were God's chosen people, they are God's chosen people, and they will be God's chosen people. They often have become God's hassled people because they're God's chosen people. I'll never forget a time in my life in ministry, I got out and I was praying, I said, oh God, I just prayed in this, I heard a lot about favor, you know, the grace of God and the favor, and I was praying for favor and favor and favor. And, it, you know, God, it's like he gave me instant favor. But it wasn't long until I had I had instant hatred <laughs> because if you're favored, somebody's going to hate that you're favored. And so Israel is God's favorite, favored people. And so we find that these favored people, Israel, uh, Israel, God had a great role for Israel to play. And they played the role and they, they still are. But this time that is we're looking at now in the book of Revelation is found in Jeremiah, the 30th chapter, the 7th verse, the time of Jacob's trouble. So Jeremiah's seeing that in the future, and now we're reading about it in the book of Revelation. John the Revelator's just received this vision. Uh, the woman in the story now is pregnant, verse 2. All right, who is the, the pregnant child in the book here? And it's going to be the birth of a male child. Well, 
you, you realize this, this can't symbolize the church because the church is where? In heaven, right? They've been raptured. And so it's, and you know, Paul calls her the virgin bride of Christ in 2 Corinthians 11 too, so this can't be the virgin bride of Christ's baby. So it's not, it's not the bride's baby. Uh, so we realize this has got to be who was used uh, to bring forth the child Jesus Christ. Well, in Genesis writing, it says that, that uh, Eve said, eventually there's going to be the seed of a woman. And from that seed of the woman, there's going to be a child born. And this child, his heel is going to bruise Satan's head. Well, that child is who? Jesus Christ. And Jesus was from what lineage? He was a, he, he was a Hebrew, right? And he's from the lineage of uh, Judah. And all that passage, all the Bible that fits together with all those different authors, it just flows beautifully. This baby that Israel had, the wife of God, Israel, had a child, Jesus, and Jesus is our Redeemer. So he's fulfilling two visions at one time. Israel is helping fulfill the vision or the dreams of the vision of Israel, and is also the bride of Christ. And so... We see that very beautiful here. And so we go on and then it tells us in the third verse, in the fourth verse, suddenly, suddenly there's a red dragon with seven heads and ten horns appear before the woman, later identified as the devil in verse 9. So we, we don't have to figure out who this red dragon is. Verse 9 of this verse of this chapter tells us it's the devil, it's Lucifer. The woman Israel is about to give birth to her child, the Messiah, when the dragon shows up spewing hate toward both the woman and her child. The dragon also functions as a sign. He is not literally a dragon. He, you know, that's where we get the idea that the devil wears a red outfit with little horns and carries a pitchfork. Uh, all that's a myth. Rather, the term dragon speaks of his personality. He's fierce, he's deadly, he's wicked, he's a liar, he hates you and me. The color red speaks of the bloodshed that will come about because of Lucifer. We find this in the second horseman, I think Jeff shared that passage there, this, the second horseman in Revelation 6, Jesus calls Satan a murderer from the very beginning of time, John 8 and 44. And the devil understands parts of these stories, but he heard that there was a seed coming. So what happened to the first two children in the book of Genesis? One brother killed the other brother. Cain killed Abel. Why? The devil is scared to death that this seed was coming. He couldn't figure out who the seed was, but he brings about murder. He keeps bringing about murder. You could go through the Old Testament, and it's just over and over and over and over. His many, many attempts to try to get rid of the seed. The stories all fit together. It, it makes sense. He hates everything to do with God. He hates everything to do with you, with me. The dragon's seven heads speak of the comprehensive intelligence. His IQ runs off the chart. He also has ten horns representing strength. Latter ten kingdoms. Chapters 13 and 17 talks about the kingdoms. Paul calls him the prince and the power of the air, Ephesians 2 and 2. And so it would do us well to understand how the enemy has acted in the past for us to know how the enemy may act in our life. 
The dragon attempts to devour. See, the, this revelation that John's being given is bringing us, is bringing us from Genesis all the way here. So the dragon attempts to devour the woman's child at the moment of his birth. How do you do that? There was a decree made that all the firstborn up to two years of age was going to be killed. Wasn't that done in the Old Testament too? When they thought, well, oh, we hear a leader's coming. There's a leader coming. Well, they, during Moses' time, killed all the babies. They didn't get Moses. He floated down the river. Well, here again. And where is this coming from? Where, what, what gives somebody the right, if it was our governor or the president or whoever, whatever the leader, just all at once get something, let's just kill all the babies. Kill all the babies. Let's just kill all the babies. He's still trying to kill the seed. Not just that seed, but all the seed of God's people. His schemes never change. The dragon attempts to devour the woman's child for that moment. Apparently, Satan figures, if I can destroy this child, I can destroy the plan of God. In his word, God has always said that his kingdom will come through the nation of Israel. Eventually, Satan thought that if he could wipe out the woman and her child, he could outsmart God and make him a liar. You know, many people want to say, well, why did God ever make anything like that dragon, like the devil? I mean, why would God make a devil? The fact is, God never made a devil. God created a beautiful angel named Lucifer. He created him with his free, free will. He was the most beautiful angel. He led worship before the throne of grace. But something gets in his heart that, and some, some writers say that when God created man and put him on earth and thought that the angels were going to be serving these people on earth, it just blew Lucifer's mind. How, how you know, I, I, us angels don't not going to be serving those people people of God those people of God need to be serving us and he wanted worship like the most high God if there's ever going to be I heard of another church recently in our town that split and about every church you ever hear split splits over worship the devil despises worship he hates worship he hates the people that worship if he didn't, can distract you and keep you out of the worship time of the service he will because it's one of the most important times of the service it's getting your heart positioned to hear the word of God. He would rather you come in distracted. But the devil has free will. You go, well, I tell you what, you ever hear anybody going astray? Well, I tell you what, I'm going to do what I want to do. I'll tell you, teenagers, some of you that just graduated, you're going, well, I'm glad I graduated. I'm going to move away from home. I'm going to live the life however I want to live it. You better be careful because when you get out there living your life however you want to live it, you can ask some of us that's already went through that. You'll find out what your parents were trying to protect you from. So God give you parents to kind of protect you that you're not making decisions before you need to make decisions. But Satan, he didn't want to be under God's rule anymore. He didn't want to be, he wanted to be worshipped. He wanted to be like the most high God. He even came and tempted Adam and Eve and goes, you know, God's holding back on you. God's not good. You know, he's keeping you from the good. Everything the devil's, you know, 
says is a lie. My pastor used to say, you know how you can tell the devil's lying? Just watch his lips move. Because everything he says is a lie. It's a lie. Lucifer became Satan, the adversary, and he fell to the earth. And he came there primarily to deceive the plan of God, deceive Eve. He started with Eve, who fell into sin. Unfortunately, Adam quickly followed suit. At that point, God promised the ultimate destruction of Satan, and that's Genesis 3.15, forewarning him that his kingdom would come to an end and that he would be crushed. Through the process, he would bruise the heel of the seed. And from that moment on, Satan and his allies have sought to kill this seed. This child, this Messiah, has a well-known, uh, as a well-known woman who would bear him, you know, Mary. Satan was ultimately behind the murder of Abel, persuasive sin that prompted worldwide flood. Watch some of these 48 hours, and they asked people. One guy last week watched one last night, I think 2020, and he'd murdered like 10 girls. And they said, what made you do that? Just some kind of, something came up inside of me. It's a spirit of murder of the devil. There's people in high offices right now doing things does not make one bit of sense to them or any of us, and they don't even know why they're doing it. They couldn't explain it to the news media if they had to because they don't know they're possessed by something. The hatred between Jacob and Esau was the devil. Pharaoh decreed to kill the Hebrew male babies, the devil. Saul's many attempts to murder David, the devil. Haman's plot to eradicate all the Jews and on and on goes. It's the devil. The devil failed to corrupt heaven and then he failed in his many attempts to murder the Messiah. So in great wrath, he turns to persecute Israel. For he knows that God has promised that in the end he will use Israel to reign from Mount Zion in Jerusalem. In that way, the Lord will fulfill all that he promised and made to Abraham. God's still got a plan and, and they're going to rule from Jerusalem. Isaac and Jacob, the 12 tribes, they'll be there. So the devil's last resort is to try to destroy any remnant of Israel so that, that uh, he promised the kingdom uh, can never come. What was behind Hitler and all these Jews going, and, and going to being burned? The devil. That's, that's the last remnant of Israel. He wants to destroy what happened to the church when the devil, okay, the devil got messed up there, okay, well, you know, okay, I, I'm going to put it in the heart in the, the rulers in Jerusalem. And when, you know, we're going to get them to falsely accuse Jesus and we're going to falsely accuse Jesus and we'll get him uh, held there and he'll have these trials. And, well, one of them said, uh, well, I don't find no fault in him, so we'll send him over here and we'll see if we'll get this guy to find fault. And, well, I don't find any fault in him. And so, well, I, we, we don't find no fault in him. And then they said, well, there, you know, there's that, there, that's one thing, there's this, there's this one thing you put in there to kind of be fair as Rome, you said that if we chose somebody else, that we could choose somebody else in jail and let them go. And, and so they found the most vile criminal there was, Barabbas. And he said, well, and you know, they thought, I think that, hey, this guy right here, this is one that should be put on the cross, Barabbas. Everybody in town knows Barabbas is no good. He's like Leroy Brown. He's no good. 
And yet they put it up before the people and something in the heart of the people inspired by Satan says, no, let Barabbas go. Give us Jesus. Put him on the cross. Let Barabbas go. All that influences the devil, folks. There was no reason to put Jesus on the cross. How many knows that God's smarter than the devil? So they put Jesus on the cross. Nail him on the cross, spear him inside, thorns, spit on him, all that stuff. Didn't even get a rise out of Jesus. Jesus said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. They're blinded, insane by Satan, you know. They don't know what's going on. Only had forgiveness in his heart. Only had love in his heart. Then he said, it is finished. He didn't say he was finished. <laughs> somebody's finished but it's not him he said it is finished they took him out of the cross off the cross and put him in a grave they put a stone Teresa talked about that seals on the stone they put guards the devil goes he ain't coming out <laughs> he ain't coming out but after three days he come out had a coming out party <laughs> he came out of the grave powerful some people said the devil was uh, rejoicing I think he was shaking but this hatred this hatred note that whatever God loves Satan hates Tell you something else not to get caught up is anti-Semitism. Hating the Jews. It's more than prejudice. It is forged in the pit of hell because Satan hated all of that God loves. After the church is raptured, there's going to be a new hatred of the Jewish people like never before. Not at the beginning. At the beginning, they're, they're going to be in love with them. But it's all going to be deception. Perhaps it helps to give you a better understanding of why we get grief as a Christian. People wonder why bad things happen to good people. Well, well, none of us are good. None of us is righteous. Jeff told us that last week. If I can find ten righteous, there's none righteous. But we belong to Jesus. We're blood-bought, belong to Jesus. He purchased us with his own blood. And the devil will do everything he can to keep you from the Lord. He always attacks those who love God and wants to serve him. He has attacked in the past. He's attacking even now. And he'll continue to attack through the future until God fully shuts him down. Then we go to chapter 12, the five, verse 5 through 6. It said that despite, you know, here the devil's attempts to eradicate the woman or her son, she gives birth to a male child who is, will rule all the nations with a rod of iron. And her child was called up to God and his throne in verse 5. Where did that happen? It happened in the, back, the book of Acts when he was, went up and they stood there beholding him going up. That was the ascension. That brief text takes us way back from Jesus' birth to the ascension 
after his resurrection, John sees Israel as the Messiah's mother, calling to mind Isaiah's prophecy, unto us a child is born and a son is given, Isaiah 9 and 6. I tell you what, the scripture is so beautiful to me, it just flows like a piece of uh, art, art weaved together. You ever, ever seen anything that's been uh, sewed together? You look at the backside and it doesn't look that great, but you turn it over, oh my God. Beautiful. This child is destined for all. This is what uh, Simeon received Jesus in the temple and to dedicate him as an old man. He said he would not die until he saw the Messiah. This child is brought to him and he recognizes this is a child. The child is destined for the fall and the rising of many in Israel and for a sign which will be spoken against. Luke 2 and 34. Simeon recognizes the Messiah uniquely his unique relationship to the nation of Israel, that he would be a sign. After giving birth, the woman flees into the wilderness. Why? <laughs> the devil is trying to kill her. Where she was placed and prepared by God, that they would feed her there for 1,260 days. Verse 6. You don't think of that so much being a type. Now you've got this Mary... Mary, this is a sign. This child is the child of Israel through Mary, not through Joseph. And she has to flee for how many of those days? Those days represent how long? Three, three and a half years. Three and a half years. It's kind of a sign of what's going to happen. There's going to come another time in the book of Revelation where Israel is going to have to flee for three and a half years. And uh, so it, it's just, it all fits together. Satan could, couldn't eradic eradicate. Uh, she's give birth. She flees to the wilderness. Where she's placed. The, prepare a place for her. For three and a half years. And this it went down to Egypt. Satan couldn't eradicate the Jews in history. He lost. He got thrown out of heaven. Everybody says the devil's a loser. He got thrown out of heaven. He's a loser. And then he came down to earth. He did, he did deceive Eve and Adam. But he couldn't stop the Messiah from being born. He's a loser. In accomplishing his finished work on the cross, his redemption on the cross from rising from the dead or from ascending to heaven, and the devil won't be able to prevent Christ from ruling over all the earth. The devil can't do one thing about Jesus coming back and rapturing the church. Not one thing. Kind of makes me feel good. <laughs> well, then Revelation 12, 7, and 11 tells about now the devil's really mad. The church is up there in heaven, and they're probably giving out awards, having award ceremonies and all that, the white throne judgment. And it's a big, this big thing's going on, and he's mad as fire. And so he just goes up to heaven, and he's going to start a war up there. Some people think the devil's in hell. devil ain't never been in hell. I'll show you that. Revelation 7 through 11, while evil is bad enough, can you all got that to put up, 7 through 11? While evil is bad enough, the worst form of evil covers itself with a veneer of goodness. The Bible plainly describes Satan as a deceiver. For example, John 8 and 44, John tells us that Satan deceives the whole world in verse 9. 
He's going to deceive the whole world. The devil raises up false religion systems. Can you imagine what's going to happen when the church is gone? Every ounce of truth that ever existed is going to be gone. If you can't feel the influence of the devil right now in our culture, something's wrong with you. When you know that people get on TV and blatantly tell you a lie, you know it's a lie. They know it's a lie. Everybody knows a lie. They just play along. The devil rises up with false religions. Satan also deceives people through false doctrine. He spreads his lies throughout the world, makes people impotent to the regard of the truth. He blinds the minds of the unbelievers, and they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 4 and 4, he masquerades as an angel of light. In Corinthians eleven fourteen, 14, tells us that. And so we can expect that this demonic, worldly association will be the same after the church is raptured. Satan is not in hell. In fact, he has never been in hell, and he won't be there until the end of Revelation. I know there's been all kinds of skits of that, and, you know, people talking about that Jesus went down to hell. I mean, symbolically, there may be some connections there, but when God finally consigns the devil to hell, Satan won't be his king. Satan will not be king in, 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 uh, in the pits of hell. He's going to be the most persecuted there. The scripture tells us that Satan continues to have some access to heaven. In Revelation 12, we learn a few things the devil doesn't want you to know about an important effect of tactics used against God's people. It seems the devil spends most of his efforts in heaven accusing the saints of God. Uh, there's all kind of passage. Did, did you know that uh, when uh, Moses died, the God said, you don't need to marry him. I'm going to take care of that. That's on me. He sent Michael the archangel to bury Moses. But did you know there was a dispute about Moses' body by Satan? He wasn't in hell then. Did you know that Job, God went up before the throne room and said, Hey, what about your servant Job? Only reason he serves you is because you, you take care of him so good. Look at all he's got. You take all that stuff away from him, he won't serve you at all. I don't know, you may not think it's fair to Job. God said, well, I'll let you take it away, but you can't touch him. I love that. That could have been a song. You can't touch that. <laughs> can't touch it. <laughs> oh, yeah. <sighs> and so all of that stuff is taken away from Job. And Job goes, naked I come into the world. Naked I'll go out of this world. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And God looked over to Satan and said, I told you. <laughs> He's in love with me, not stuff. If we find ourselves in love with stuff, we may not be as close to the Savior as we think we are. Stuff gets old. It deteriorates. Pretty soon you get tired of keeping insurance on it. Stuff is more, is highly rated than you think it is. And so he accuses the saints day and night. I want you to know that God restored everything that Job had many, 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 many times over. Yeah. 
Like, take that devil. If you're ever attacked by Satan, you know, go through it. Hold your head up high. Lift up the name of Jesus. Worship all the way through it because there's a restoring coming. If you find yourself in the midst of ashes, dance on the ashes because he's going to build on those ashes. But never forget God's in control. Always has been and always will be. John calls Satan the accuser of the brother who blames the saints day and night before God. Verse 10. Day and night. So the devil is just constantly... There's that verse. I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now have come salvation and power in the kingdom of God and the authority of this Messiah. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters, they who accuse them before God day and night, has been hurled down. Now I tell you what, this is, people believe, scholars believe this has happened. The church is raptured. The church is up there in the midst of the white throne uh, award ceremony. And the devil shows up and he slaps a guy. Oh no, that was the, uh, was, uh, that was on TV the other day. <laughs> May have been similar, but the devil's up there going, what you giving them that award for? Why you give David an award for? Why you give Teresa an award? Why you give a, you know, why are you doing that? Don't you know what they've done? I know what they've done years ago. You know what they've done? What about that guy? What about Dennis? You know, the, the, the devil's up there freaking out because there's this, this, and I, I can't, I can't imagine it probably happening like that. And I can see God sitting up on the throne and he goes, uh, Michael, kick him out. <laughs> and take away his rights to be in a part of the word ceremony ever again. Kick him out. And the devil is hurled out of heaven permanently. Because when God gets his church up there, his bride, ain't nobody going to be standing around putting his bride down. You can't ditch the bride of Jesus. You can't do that. So God, get him out of here. Throw him out of here. Never let him come again. You know that Daniel prayed one time three weeks and his prayer was hindered. And then we find out that the prince of Persia hindered his prayer. And we find out later that there wasn't a prince of Persia then. There was in the spiritual world, but in the real world there was a king of Persia. The prince of Persia was the devil, the prince in the power of the air. And God said, from day one, I answered the prayer but the prince of Persia hindered that prayer from being answered. If you've ever had a prayer that's being hindered, you know who's stopping it, don't you? It's not your good daddy, your father God. It's the devil. God wouldn't withhold anything from his child. He said even an earthly father has got a brain in his mind knows how to give his child a good gift. How much more does your heavenly father know how to give good gifts? We need to get out of our mind that somehow God's the bad person. He's not the act of nature. I told you when Jesus stood on the bow of the boat and he said, peace be still. That was the same word that he used when he uh, spoke to the devil in a, a, a girl's life. 
He bound it. All of nature, the devil comes against. Everything that happens on this earth, they call an act of God. It needs to be called an act of the devil. And we need to say, our good God, the devil may have done this, but God's fixing to do this for us. Never forget when Kendall's house got destroyed by a tornado. Man, it was so devastating for them. And you drive by now, and I look at his house, and it's so much prettier and so much better. And I know it was a long haul and all the stuff he went through, but God blessed him. This accuser of the brother, he hates us. And the thing is, we need to realize is we need to learn and distinguish between the conviction of the Holy Spirit and the condemnation of Satan. And uh, because it is, is very, uh, it's different. The Holy Spirit will convict you of sin, but the devil will guilt you with condemnation. And uh, what happened to Judas when he betrayed Jesus? He become to feel so guilty and so betrayed, even though that thought, that, that, that murderous attitude that was put in his heart, and he, he talked Judas into doing that, betraying Jesus, it drove him to go out and commit suicide. But what about Peter? Peter denied the Lord three times. He went back to fishing. And Jesus come to him, and just one look into the loving face of Jesus Christ, Peter repented of his sins and become one of the strongest disciples. Conviction will bring you close to God. Condemnation and guilt will drive you from God. If you feel yourself like, I don't, you ever, I've invited people to church before, and they go, oh, the roof would fall in if I came. That's a lie of the devil. The church was made for sinners. Because we're all sinners, saved by grace. When you sin, you need to run to the face of God. He loves you. He'll, he'll draw you back in. Verse 10 said, our brethren are said to overcome the devil. This is probably a reference to the tribulation saints because it's talking about them. They overcome the devil by the blood of the lamb and by the word of the testimony. And they did not love their lives till death. Verse 11. After the rapture, about everybody that's saved therefore after will be pretty much murdered. They'll die for their faith. But I think it is really interesting that the way that they're, they're going to overcome during the most critical time in all of history is the blood of the Lamb. There's 290 verses about love in the New, in the New Testament. There's 1,200 verses about the blood and the atonement. You ever seen a movie where they, you know, the exorcist, the priest comes in and, and they're, take the, they got the Bible in one hand and they got the cross in the other hand. That's a good way to approach the devil. He hates the word. He hates the word. And he knows that he was beat on the cross. 
Jesus wasn't beat on the cross. The devil was beat on the cross. You hold that cross up and go, devil, you can come at me all you want, but this word says I'm a child of God. I want you to know this word right here says, you know, when Jesus was crucified on the cross, I was crucified on the cross. I, was, I died with him that day. I died with him on that cross, and I was buried with him on, in that grave that day. And when he was resurrected, I was resurrected. And just like you have no power, no authority over him any longer, you have no power and authority over me either. I come to you in the word of Jesus Christ and in the power of the cross and the blood of Jesus Christ. Get off my back. That's how you defeat the devil. It ain't our personal testimonies. The devil don't care how many times you prayed, how many times you went to church. But he's scared to death of the word of God. And he's scared to death of the blood of Jesus and the cross of Jesus. He comes try to remind you of some kind of sin you've committed. Hold up the cross. That's why I, I had a cross and I, I lost one of my crosses. And, and I, I'm trying to find one like it. But I always wear a cross because I just like it. It's not that it's some kind of, uh, you know, token or something. But I like to be reminded when the devil comes at you, oh, you messed up. Yeah, but <laughs> Jesus died on the cross for my messes ups. I might have messed up, and I may mess up again. But if I messed up in the past, I mess up today, I mess up tomorrow. Jesus died for my messes. Cross my heart. Amen. God took care of it. But they overcome by the blood of the Lamb. I'd like for the worship team to come. I'm fixing to close this out. And they loved not, they didn't love their life until. <laughs> death. They loved him in death. I'd hope to think that I, I, I'm planning on being in the rapture. I'm looking for the hole in the sky, not the hole in the ground. I may have to go through the hole in the ground, but I'm coming out of that hole. Whatever hole you're in today, God can get you out of it. You might be in a financial hole or a health hole or a sickness hole or marriage or family hole. You're going, you feel like you're just going through hell right now. God can get you out of that one way or another. I just love, I love, I think our biggest challenge was going through the, how can we, how can we preach this this and show the grace of God through the book of Revelation but it's not been hard I want to jump on over Revelation 12 through 17 John says the woman was given two wings and a great eagle and she might fly into the wilderness to her place where she is nourished for time times that's three and a half years there's that symbolicness of Mary so during the second half of the tribulation God will protect his chosen people from the wrath of Satan John said the people of Israel will be taken to a place of protection on a two-winged eagle. Some people try to say that's America because we got an eagle sign. I don't buy that. The Bible commonly used the eagle as the metaphor to speak of the protection of God provided. When God delivered the people of Israel from Egypt slavery, he told them, I bore you on eagle's wings and brought you to myself. I bore you on eagle's wings brought you to myself 
The Bible said he can make you mount up with wings of eagles. Some of you need God to help you mount up. You're going through some stuff. You need God to put his wings under you. Deuteronomy 32, Moses wrote, As an eagle stirs up its nest and hovers over its young, spreading out its wings, taking them up, carrying them on his wings, so the Lord alone rescues Israel. And the Lord is able to rescue you today. The Lord is able to rescue you no matter what you're going through. God can take what you're going through and you just feel like, oh, I think I just sprouted wings or something. I feel like I'm just rising right up out of this. I know I'm going through a hard time, but man, I feel better. We forget that God's the answer. And you think, well, what are those people going to eat for three and a half years if they're out? And some people believe this is going to be a cave. There's a cave type area in Israel that holds several, uh, like a, there's, a, there's a huge amount of people. Well, did we forget the God that fed uh, 600,000 uh, people in the wilderness for 40 years? When I first went to college, I, we went on a wing, we went on a wing and a prayer. And we ate potatoes for three weeks. Dave and Teresa came up and visited us, thought we was doing good. We was eating potatoes every day. I was looking, and I remember getting out of my car, and I stepped out of the car, and something blew and hit my foot. Like, in a parking lot, and I reached down, and it was a $20 bill. I said, thank you, Lord. I'm going to tell you something. We're going to see some of the cloudiness. We're going to see some of the stuff of the devil before we're raptured out of here. But don't let your heart be troubled. Don't let it be fearful. You've got a God that can put wings on you and you just fly your spirit right out of it. And he, we got a God that can feed you. we got a God that can take care of you. Trust in God today. Trust in God today is what I want you to know. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray today, Lord, as we sing these last songs, Lord, that we will let the worship. God, we need to sing this worship right in the face of the devil. This worship is not going to him today. This is going to the almighty God that can cause us to mount up with wings of eagles. And I think one of the greatest ways he does that is when we turn our hearts of discouragement to worship. And God, today we're going to finish with these two songs. And we're also going to pray for those that have a need today or that want to find Jesus Christ. We're going to close that way today. In Jesus' name we pray.